Amen. I'm going to sit right here next to all this anointing. I'm excited to just be with this great team as we're going to share a little bit. Are we good today? Amen. God did some incredible things. And one thing that I didn't mention to you all is that we were supposed to get to Dahabon early in the afternoon to go door to door, witnessing the people and inviting them to the crusade. And when the crusade time happened, without us having gone to a single house because our bus got there late, on that first night there was 5,000 people there. Amen. So God prepared by way of our prayers and prep all throughout the trip. God did something phenomenal. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to share a little bit today and and different folks are going to come on and pop up. We don't have time to have every person answer every question, but I trust that you're going to connect with each one of us and ask your questions and find out some more and hear the wonderful things that God has done. So we got a mic somewhere down here and here where we got the mics. Let's pass them around. I'll take one right here. Amen. Keep it down. So let's just uh, open this up. Uh, first question is, what motivated you guys to participate on this mission trip, and how did your expectations compare to what you guys experienced? All right, so who's going to jump up? Go ahead, Lonnie. <clears throat> so the reason why I went on this trip, at first I wasn't going to go, um, just because of work and everything. I just didn't think it was possible. Uh, when Matias came in March, he had a few words for me told me that he really felt that I should go, and I still wasn't going to go. (laughs) But then I remembered uh, last year in March, the same time that he was here, uh, the Lord gave me a dream of the Dominican flag, and I wrote it down in my phone, and I forgot about the dream, but I just instantly remembered it, and I was like, no, God told me to go, because he knew that I would probably be like, eh. And (laughs) so um, I went, and I knew it was a God thing. Um, and he changed a lot of things inside of me and showed me things that he has for me in the future, as well as my husband. So that's why I went. Amen. Don, Don, get the mic, Don. Why did you go on this trip? Please. <laughs> Pastor Brian wants to embarrass me right no, now. No, not at um, all. <laughs> originally, I put, because my pastor said I should... <laughs> Why do you go on a mission trip? Because your pastor invited you, all right? No, but tell us, why did you find out you went on this trip while you were there? Uh, What did I find out? Yes. Um, So I have a lot of doubts in my mind that God can use me. And through this trip, I found out that, like, um, actually, Noya, she had a word for me. I was, like, praying this. Um, on the bus ride to where we were going and then we were in training and I was praying and we were worshiping and then Nelia pulled me aside and she was like I have a word for you and God revealed to her and she was like God says stop doubting that he is going to use you you just have to let him step out in faith and that was like such confirmation for me Um, and from that point like My life was already changing, but from that point, it really just took hold of me, and I'm really, like, changing and stepping out in faith in the Word of God. So, he's amazing. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Just rapid fire. Let's pass the mic. Same question. Why did you guys participate? Whoever wants to share, go for it. 
Is it on? Is it on? It's on. You got it. Well, <clears throat> at first I wasn't going to go because, um, like Lenny said, the situation of the job and stuff and the money-wise too, but God works in a mysterious way. So, you know, um, I ended up applying again, and then all of a sudden I just kind of didn't want to go because it wasn't in my heart. And I told my wife, she told um, whoever takes care of the paperwork, she ripped it apart and got rid of it. And then I, I, I think two weeks before to leave, I felt in my heart that God wanted me to go. Um, reason wise, he's been training me for a long time, you know, using, you know, playing football and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of thought like, well, this is a mission. The mission is something serious, something that I would like to do and to be more closer to God. So I accepted it and I said, Lord, if I go there, I just don't want to go there and stand around and do nothing. I actually want to go out there. I want to do my best. I want to do my hardest and I want to leave it in the field. So when I leave, I come back and feel I did my best and I left it all there. It, like the same thing when you play football, the coach always tells you, leave it in the field. And when you, the game is over, either you win or lose, you feel great because you did your best. So I went over there, and like I was telling Pastor Brian, we're in the mission. We're ready. And believe me, I have never in my whole life prayed so much in tongues <laughs> and prayed. And um, the classes were, I mean, boot camp was boot camp. I mean, this thing was no joke. I mean, you were there. You... You basically signed up, like, you know, when you sign up to the military in the USA, you sign up, you belong to the government. Well, over there, you belong to the Lord. And I was in the best team ever. I had my best friends and pastor and everybody there. It motivated me even more stronger. So the first day, like Pastor Brian said, we got there, the place was packed. I mean, this place was jammed. And we had to put them in their chairs, and everybody helped out, and everybody did a good job. And I ran here, ran over there. I was all over the place. Like I said, I'm there. To, to work. I'm not there to do nothing. The second day, same thing, but this time there was more people. So there was more work. So instead of giving 120, I had to give 150, but I did it. But the victory I got and the strength of the Lord and having a great team and a leader that motivated me. And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't that easy. There was things that I was kind of getting pumped up, but I said, I'm going to use that for the Lord instead for something bad. Amen. And that's what the Lord does. So I'm grateful. I, I learned a lot, and it opened up my eyes big time. Praise wow. When you basically said that you're going to do something for the Lord, you better make sure what you really want. Because when you're there, you're there. And it was a mission. Amen. But we completed it, and we yeah. gave the victory for the Lord. Amen. That's Praise all God. for him. And don't forget, guys, and for the souls. Amen. For souls. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, John. So my, my dad's got dementia, and I'm there every day to help him. And I decided to go on this trip. The whole time before the trip, I'm worried about my dad. But when I got to the trip, everything was fine. He was fine, but it was just warfare. I know the Lord wanted me to go because he gave me a couple dreams after I decided to go. But the enemy was just working on me, trying to get me not to go. And I am so blessed and highly favored that I went on that trip. God showed up and God showed off. And I just thank him because something broke off me on that trip. Amen. And I know that this is something that was ordained by God. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. So I want you guys to think, what, what aspects of the local culture or community surprised you guys the most? All right. And how did that impact your understanding of their way of life there? So who wants to share about that? Who's got it? Go ahead. 
Yeah, just turn it on. You're good. So when we were riding through the cities and towns and the buses, um, me and somebody else that was on the trip, Clara, she's not here today, but we were looking out the windows and we saw how everybody was sitting in their front like doorstep and just like watching the cars go by and we were thinking like wow they they have like nothing really to do but just sit and like watch the people go by and we like realized like how grateful we were to have the things in this country to do and keep ourselves occupied with and it made me realize how grateful I am to, you know, Amen. be blessed. Yeah. Um, I think as well as we were on the, actually what surprised, not surprised me, I think what um, motivated me was the hunger that they had. Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't evangelize. 5,000 people showed up. We ran out of chairs. Um, and they were hungry. And, you know, because I spoke Spanish, a lot of people pulled me aside and weren't giving me, like, their personal testimonies. Like, you know, my daughter died and I have, you know, I'm raising my three grandchildren. I mean, we're talking about older people here. Um, I don't have a fridge. I'm praying to God to get a fridge. And, you know, they came with real needs. Um, and I think their hunger is, is, is what, what impacted me the most. I think a lot of times because we live in comfort, right? We, we all realize how much comfort we have. We live in comfort. We don't have that hunger. Or the hunger comes when we're on Sunday, and then it wanes, and then it comes back. But for them, it's, it's their daily life. It's their walk. It's what they, you know, what they experience every day. And one thing that impacted a lot of us the most was we had a children's crusade, 1,700 children. And, um, you know, they were they were piling up, their mode of transportation is like mopeds, so piling up three, four people on a moped. But what impacted us the most is we drove out of there for miles, and we saw children and moms walking for miles because they wanted to get that blessing. They wanted to be part of that. And we were like, wow. I remember one of the youth, they were like, we just saw them. Like, how are they walking in this heat? And we were like, they're hungry. They hungry. They needed what we were coming to offer, what God was coming to offer them, and they wanted it so bad. They walked for miles in the heat. No water, nothing. They walked because they wanted it. And so, you know, just really quickly, church, how hungry are you for God? Amen. 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 Somebody tell us about how the church service was on Sunday morning. We all went to different churches, but I think most of our group was in the same one. Tell us, Kelly, how was church like on Sunday morning? Um, I grew up in Brazil, so it's not like super, something super different for me. But everybody, like they are very like simple, but they are dressed like very nice. And we are always like, and especially church here in the morning, we just basically like, they're all dressed. And even at the crusade, I was looking around, and I was like, oh, my God, they're all, like, wearing sandals and dresses, very, and they are very simple. They're, they were so happy to see so many people. The church, like, literally, like, small, the size of the cafe, right? Yeah. A lot of chairs, but, I mean, 
only like few people, then of a sudden like ton of us start coming. They start like looking around, getting chairs, like people are getting more. And then we are all like standing, no, we are fine, we are fine. Very happy that they had more people. Not even mentioning the regular thing, like they are all like you can, like spiritually speaking, they are there because they love the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hadassah, tell us, how, how did it feel inside the church temp-wise? I think it's crazy to like, it's just, to me it was like, the size of our church is like 10 times bigger than theirs. And it's like, we feel the Holy Spirit so present all the time. And just showing up there, seeing like them just so, not like they were so grateful. And just the presence of the Lord was there so like hugely in there. And they were all like so excited. Like you said, they were also excited to see like that many people in their church. And it's like to us, it's like, like basically a fraction of our church showing up there. And it was crazy to me because they were just like, to them, you could tell, like, for them, everything that was happening there, it was, like, they didn't care how many people were there. They didn't care how many, like, the size of their church. Nothing of that mattered to them. It was, like, them just chasing after the Holy Spirit. Like you said, they were willing to walk miles to see, just feel it, to just grasp it, to hold it. And in that church, it was, like, it was incredible to see how they, how hungry they were for the Lord. And they didn't, like, it was just so many, like, so many people just... Not people, it was just like such a big like presence of the Lord in that place that like there's no way to deny it. There's no way to like say, Oh yeah, yeah, whatever, it's just like a small church, they're just there. They're not. That's like a huge thing for them to have that presence of the Lord in that space. Like I was craving it. I left it and I was like, Okay, now let's go back. Come on, Sunday again. It's just like I don't know. I'm just really happy that we got to experience that, especially in the Dominican, because like the like there's so much witchcraft in there and all that stuff. Just seeing that one little place with like 30, 40 people in there, it's crazy. Like it just gives everybody hope. I bet everybody in there which has experienced a new level of hope to see like all the witchcraft being broken off of people who could have been there. Like the fear being broken off of people, anxiety being broken Amen. off of people. Yeah. In, in that little space, like, just the people, like, our team who we went there to, like, talk to them, like, Prophet Aaron, um, Minister Aaron, Prophet Aaron yeah. he showed up, and he just talked to this one lady, and she was set free from fear. It was crazy to me, like, just to see all that in such, like, a place where people don't care. Like, I'm pretty sure, to them, it could have been on the side of the road, and they would have been the same thing. Amen. So, to me, it was just crazy to see, like, them not caring about anything, just really hungering for the Lord. Amen, amen. Anybody else want to share about um, the local culture? What surprised you? Anybody else want to share? You good? Go ahead, David. During the crusade, the me, Aliza, and Hadassah, and maybe a couple others, we were on the left side I'm pretty sure doing the crusade and we were in a stadium uh, the crusade happened inside of a baseball stadium and we just see a bunch of kids just running around and then a couple invited us and the energy these kids had it's it's impeccable they had the same energy as any kid here I would say and it's like it motivated me honestly to like these are the kids of the future. These are what 
there. Instead of them staying at home, they choose to come here. Like some kids even came here on their own. They had nobody else. They brought their little brother. I remember I saw it looked like a six-year-old bringing their like two-year-old by the hand. I'm like, okay. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And I'm wondering how they're going to get back home. But that, <laughs> may the Lord guide them back. And it, it, it was just amazing, honestly. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. These kids were excited running around from the minute it started to the minute it was over. And uh, they're, they're, you know, hearing the word and in a good environment. And there's prayers going out. So what he saw and they're chasing them around and they want to practice English and they, you know, they're, they're asking for pictures. Right, Elisa? Um, and all these wonderful things they're excited about. But it was a great, great connection. And you could see that that built for when the kids' crusade happened. Um, guys, tell us what happened in the kids' crusade when these kids got their gifts. Mm. Mm. Matthias told us to form into like this big line. It was like a gate. So the kids would be coming near the, um, what's called, near the stage. The platform and yeah. come back out. Near the stage and Matthias would give the gifts. Matthias only had a thousand gifts to give, and there was a seventeen hundred. We managed to give about seventeen hundred, and that's honestly that's just amazing. We were able to bless them, even though we had a thousand gifts. We were still able to bless these people and bless these kids. Amen. 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 All right. Somebody else. Quickly. Um, one thing that really shocked me, and I was like. One thing that really shocked me that I was just like in awe of was the gratitude of these kids. Like they, one, one little kid, I think, I'm pretty sure it was a little boy. He like, like Karen was like, everyone was trying to like get people to like go, go, go so they could give the gifts really quickly. And one of Matias' spiritual daughters, Karen, she was like one of them marking, right? And this little boy looked at her and stared at her in awe when she handed him like a little bag it had like stuff here like kids would just be like oh that's trash it was like a little teddy bear like a pencil uh, like markers little stuff like 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 cheap little things just for them the little kid looked at her in awe in such gratitude I, I almost cried I was looking and I was just like I don't know if I was so tired I was gonna cry but like I was looking at the kid and I was like oh my gosh this is so sweet the little kid looked at her and grabbed onto her leg gave her a hug and then Karen was like looked at her and was like okay go 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 because like we have a bunch of people to give gifts to come on and the little kid's like it was in such awe you know another little girl he was like handing like at the end they were handing like packets of like spaghetti and uh, olive oil and beans and stuff like that for them to like have and one little girl saw the spaghetti she got spaghetti and beans I think she looked at whoever was giving the gift to her and she just stared for a little bit and she was like I could see the gratitude in their eyes and that was like just reminded me to be like way more thankful because like we have things here that are like pure 24k million gold to them like no matter like we could have like this pillow would be crazy to them like that could be like gold for them and it was just crazy to me to think that like we are here complaining about those little things that they would have gotten like if we got that at something in a crusade let's be very honest we'd be like thanks and then walk away but that, to them it was like oh my gosh i'm Amen. basically rich now if <laughs> to them it was like crazy and we're like that just reminded me that we have to be way more grateful go ahead 
You good? Okay. I heard a little girl say, I get to feed my family. One little packet of macaroni and something, because we had a thousand gifts planned and 1,700 needed to be given. So we're dividing things out and spreading the love. One little girl clutched that macaroni and she said, I get to feed my family. It was awesome. Tell us a memorable moment. Francisco, give us one of the most memorable moments on the trip for you. So, yeah, this is uh, an amazing trip for me. And uh, as Pastor Brian, he knows uh, I've been like, I'm going to give my life to, to Jesus. Amen. And I went there and I did it. Get my prize. I have so much to say, but I'll do another day. (laughs) Francisco got baptized while we were there. Can you all give it up for him? You'll see in the slideshow on our vacation day, we ended up going to this really beautiful place. You know, we worked hard all week long, and then the last day, Matias is like, now you get to have fun hard, okay? So he took us on a catamaran, uh, all of us, to this really beautiful, natural pool that's on the ocean. And for like a whole mile, it's shallow. Boats dock there. We got to walk all the way to the shore, and we swam, had fun, had snacks. And uh, before we left that place, we had an opportunity to do baptisms. Why? Because all three bus drivers got saved. And all three bus drivers decided to give their hearts to Jesus. All three bus drivers said, I want to take the next step. And what is impeding us from being baptized even here? So we baptized them. And then all of a sudden, Francisco comes up and says, hey, pastor, I remember last time we had baptism at CIC. I was supposed to do it. I didn't do it. I want to do it now. Amen. So y'all give it up for Jesus. And several others did the same thing, and it was a wonderful celebration. Amen. All right, now give us your most memorable moment of the trip. What really marked you? What stayed with you while you were on this trip? One of them was um, at the crusade the first night. um, Somebody had grabbed Bibi and I, uh, one of the pastors there, I think, or or somebody who was with another church. And there was a 15-year-old boy um, and he was pretty much convulsing. He had a demon. Um, his eyes were rolled in the back of his head. I've never did deliverance on anybody before. Um, so I just kind of was looking like, okay, God, like if this is what you want us to do, then this is what we're here for. So we just start praying. Um, the woman's praying, Bibi's praying, and we're just all praying. I'm singing in tongues as well, and Bibi put his hand on his chest and started speaking to him in Spanish, praying. And immediately, the, it must have flown out because the kid just starts crying and crying. And all of a sudden, he's like back to his original form. Amen. And um, it, just, it just changed my whole perspective because it's like I've seen deliverance. You know, we, we know it's real. But to be in it and then God to use you in that, um, it, it just brings a whole new perspective. Like in America... A lot of churches and, and Christians, we don't think of that part of it. it. It's something that we don't do. But there's so many people that actually do have demons, and we don't look at it like that. 
Um, but I, I feel that God is bringing deliverance more to the forefront. And as Christians and having the Holy Spirit in us, that is what we are called to do. It is biblical. So that's something that um, God just showed me, and it was amazing. And I just want to see people free. Amen. 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 Give us a memorable moment from the trip. Um, I think the most memorable moment, memorable moment for me was also the first night of the crusade and um, the amount of people who came through and they were like, like there were kids excited to like come in, the amount of adults who were trying to just get through the door and like during worship, the amount of people who knew all the songs, who were just worshiping the Lord, it was like amazing to see how like everyone there like wanted to be healed and wanted to be touched by the Lord. Like when Matisse was praying to the people and praying to the woman, everyone was trying to like get through, either they were praying for that woman and helping us, they were, they were either praying for us or they were praying for others to be healed. It was amazing because the Lord was just touching in this place and it was, it was so wonderful to see. Amen. Memorable moment. One of the things that really stuck with me about this mission trip is Evangelist Mateus, whenever there was something that was coming against us, the first thing he said was pray in the Spirit. And we in this church who are baptized in the Holy Spirit come down front, pray in the Spirit. So much happened when the whole group unified and prayed in the Spirit. It broke things off the atmosphere. It, it just made things go easy rather than hard. Praying in the Spirit is so powerful, and that was one thing that really touched my life in, in this ministry. Amen. You want to share a memorable moment? Um, for me, it was also like during the crusade. Um, I don't speak Spanish, um, but this woman came up to me, and she was like basically saying, please pray for my daughter. And like she knew I didn't speak Spanish. So I'm like praying for her daughter and we're all pressing in and I'm grabbing other people to, to pray for her. And then she's like, now pray for my other daughter. Like, you know, like they are so hungry. She wanted to see um, her daughters feel a touch from Christ. And the first daughter, um, I remember when she came in and she looked like she was hopeless. Um, she looked like she really went there for something. Um, and I was watching her because where I was stationed and where I was praying, she was like right in front of me. And so um, even her child was trying to like get her attention, but she was like, her eyes was like fixated um, on the stage, fixated on worship, fixated on what Matthias was saying. And then when her, um, when her mom came get me to pray for her, I just... I felt like um, she needed a release. And so that was memorable for me. Yeah. Amen. Um, tell us, guys, how do you feel like you've grown on this trip? Well, God really touched me in a mighty way. And I think one of the biggest things he's taught me is the unity of the body of believers Amen. in Christ. Because... If we're all in different directions, we're, we're, we're going different directions and it, we can't do anything. But as we gather in one body of Christ, gather as the family of God, we can move the mountains. And we saw it in the crusade 
because of the darkness was there to a point once the Spirit of God came, it broke the darkness. I don't know if anybody saw it on the stage here, but it was told to me that there was four bats that came into that crusade area, and then the dove came and chased the bats away. They went, they disappeared. But that dove went all four corners of that crusade until Matthias came and started to preach, and then it disappeared. It was saying that God was in control of it all, and that the man of God was ready to give the word. So God was totally in control. But it's unity. It, we must learn to walk in unity. It's very important. I, I, that's one of the biggest things that God showed me there was unity. Amen. Kelly, answer the same question. What, what, um, how have you grown or what lessons did you learn from this trip? Um, we kind of talk a lot about this, the trip, but I felt like um, for us being here, we are very comfortable with everything in our life, our routine and everything. And over there, I understand not everybody could go, but it was a really, it was my first mission trip, first of all. And then um, we got there, it was all about God, all about loving souls. And it got me think, do I really love souls? Because mm. if you look at Matthias, he can have like 10 people or 10,000 people here, he will preach certain way. He won't change just because there's only like few people. That's his calling. But we are all being calling to do this, Amen. to preach, to make disciples. Even though we are not going somewhere, we have like people around us that we can do that. But also I was thinking of um, how important it is for us to be in the spirit. Because there like we had no internet. Even trying to say, hey, we are alive. It was like, we'll be like <laughs> around 4 a.m. Because when we got to the hotel... We sleep for two, three hours and go back to another conference. And this, we were like praying and learning and like a lot of men and women of God with amazing words, like revelation that we can have it. But God just like gift us with those specifically ones. Um, I was just thinking like I'm here. Sometimes I help with something. I serve with something, something else. But then I'm still slacking like. That's a lot of things that God wants me to do. But um, over there, we were like stretched. We basically didn't sleep. The food was like part good, part not that great. A lot of people start getting sick. It was also a trick of the enemy. Because I was about like on my second day, I was about to tell Pastor Rett to tell him like, I'm not going because I don't want to get sick. And then the bathroom over there is like going to like a stadium or whatever. It's not like the... For a woman, especially, it's even harder. There's no toilet paper, no to guys. Yeah. Like, it's not the cleanest. So uh, I just prayed and I said, Lord, please help me. I don't want to miss anything and I don't want the devil to. Because this is a distraction when yeah. you're doing something. Yeah. And I understand not everybody can go. But to be honest, next year, if you have only one, two weeks vacation from your work, just save it for this. It's important. Like, it's, it's a different thing. They, even though we are trying to kind of tell you guys like all about it and being excited, you can only experience if you are there. Amen. 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 Nelia, can you tell us 
what did you grow and what did you learn? So, um, when I went, I really had something specific I wanted God to do in my life. Um, and the main thing was hearing his voice because I doubt a lot that I hear his voice. Um, but there I heard his voice audibly and I just did what he said. If he said, pray over so-and-so, I did. If he said, do this, I did it. Um, and it was because of that, we had no distractions. You know, I was telling several people, you know, like you sit here, you wake up, you pray at five in the morning, you check it off your list and you keep going about your day. Um, but there we were in an atmosphere of prayer. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in an atmosphere of prayer, but it's very, very, very different. I mean, literally, we would be <laughs> eating, and he'd say, get your hands up. Everybody praying in tongues. And you have a hundred and whatever people praying in tongues. And there was nothing worse. I mean, you could only feel the spirit just show up. You're like, oh, my gosh, what is that that I'm feeling? What is, what is that that's in the atmosphere? And it's because it was an atmosphere of prayer, an atmosphere of worship. Um, so I was very grateful um, that I was able to listen to his voice. And, you know, I'm going to continue to work on that. Like, Lord, I just want to sit with you. I want you to speak to me. I want to listen to your voice. Um, but I have to agree with what a lot of my brothers and sisters have said. Um, it was a time of fellowshipping. It was a time of praying without ceasing. And I think I told a lot of people that, like, I learned what that Bible verse means. And just like John said, because we were constantly in the spirit, and it was funny because we grew a lot. I think Matias taught us a lot about being in the spirit and just growing spiritually. And one thing he said was, if you are angry, you're not in the spirit. So he kept telling us, like, if somebody does something to you, just forgive them and move on because you're going to break the unity in the spirit. And I think out of fear and out of reverence, we all were like, oh, let that go. You know, we're in the spirit. We got to be one. We got to be one. Nobody wanted to be that, that link that messed it up, right? The chain. Um, so, I mean, that was just impactful. Um, and yes, to see that when you pray, I know a lot of people say, well, I pray and God's not listening. He is. But that unity, when we prayed, doors open immediately, immediately. And to see that you were like, I'm going to be in the spirit all day, every day, and all day, every day. Um, and I think that's something that impacted me the most, is to pray in the spirit. Um, my roomie's not here. Um, Rosaline and I were blessed to be roomies. I didn't really know her before we left, but boy, we know each other now. Because <laughs> as they say, you don't know somebody till you live with them. So I lived with her for the eight days. Um, and it was a blessing because she is full of fire full of fire and so this was probably second nature to her and she helped it be my first nature and we constantly every night we prayed when we saw something happen on the bus we were praying um we actually prayed this morning she called me 6 a.m we prayed this morning together for for something um but just that atmosphere of prayer, the fellowship, I am grateful that I got to meet so many people at a deeper level that I had never, you know, I had said hi and bye to. You know, people, you're like, oh, yeah, hi. No, now you're like, hey, girl, <laughs> what's up? You know, like, remember? Yeah, we bonded a lot on the trip. Um, so that is another thing. And I totally agree with Kelly. Like, if you have a true hunger for God, if you want to grow in him, this would be 
something that you need to experience. We can only, we can tell you the tidbits, but truly the growth that he did in every single one of us, it would take us hours, hours to experience. And the fact that Matias was so anointed, he taught us so much. Like I'm sure we're all gonna go back and just keep rereading and growing because that's where we are. We're all on that, you know, we're all on that adrenaline still wanting more. And so if you want more, you should go to the more ministries <laughs> trip next year. That was a pun. God did that. I didn't intend that. Amen. Amen. We got a lot of questions and a lot of things to share, but let's wrap it up with one last question. Um, as you guys have been stretched and God has spoken to you, he showed you some things about yourself, right? We discovered things about ourselves, didn't we? We discover things about our identity in Christ. We discovered things about us and how he's designed us and shaped us. He showed us what we can endure and not endure, right? How we can overcome. It's a lot of amazing things. I want you guys to just answer this question for us. Looking ahead, how do you plan to apply what you've learned and what you've experienced during that trip in your everyday life, in your future endeavors here in our church, how can you guys apply what you've learned and how you've changed as we move forward? Let's share it. Go ahead, Sam. Well, I learned one thing, very important. Stop making excuses. Come on. That you're waiting on God to move. Come on. God's waiting on me to move. And for many years, God has put certain things in my heart to, to step out and do. But I've always said, God, I'm waiting upon you. Uh, I'm just waiting for that right moment. And God, through this trip, has shown me the time is now. It's no longer a waiting period. The time is ready to birth what I've given you to birth. We make all kinds of excuses. I know I do. I, I always make excuses. I'm not smart enough. I don't have this talent. I don't have that talent. But God said, I will bring the people beside you that have those talents to do the tasks that I've called you to do. So, and that's the one thing that I've learned very strongly in this, that to start putting my foot to action and stop staying frozen in the same spot and to move. And I, I believe that's, that's one of the things that God's dealing with me a lot. And I think I'm about ready to move now. Amen. So one thing that Matthias said that would like really resonated with me was when he said, you don't have to like go up to people and start like being like, do you want to give your life to Christ? If you just live it, they're going to want what you have. Come on. And so... Me personally, I'm not the type of person to be like, hey, Jesus died for your sins. Why don't I give your life to him in the middle of like a food court? But I would be the type of person to just live holy, be the type of part, be like act as Jesus acted to show love, to be compassionate, to be joyful, to talk to people, to like get to know people as a brother and sister in Christ. And I'm the type of person to be just live it and hope and pray and just try to like show people like hey i have something that's great i have something that's changing me i have something that's making my focus be changed i have something that's changing my life and i know it can change yours amen so amen. i'm gonna live it 
Now, I made a decision for myself that I'm going to live it and just let God use me the way he would like. So if Amen. he makes Praise me God. go to people and just be like, hi, what's your name? And then through that, them want to be saved, score. But like, I just want, Flow. I'm not the type of person to just like go to people and like be really passionate about it. And I'm pretty sure people have that anointing. Like I'm sure some people are like that where they're just like, confident and they just go to people and they're like hey and start talking and like sneak him in there and then they're like boom you're saved but like i'm the person that i'm gonna be like hi um my Amen. name's Adasa and yeah and we'll have a conversation and then sooner or later they'll come to me and be like hey i Amen. want to have what you have praise god so, amen yeah. amen all right what have you learned go for it um well, I can't say I didn't learn anything because there was a lot to learn when we were at the conferences. Um, but everything that we were taught and everything that we've learned, especially while praying and the way that God touched me in my life, um, I wanna, I wanna use it and, um, like you're saying, like live it. Like I wanna live in the moment. I wanna live what God has to give to, for me. Amen. And um, because I'm usually an overthinker and. When it comes to something, I doubt a lot. So instead of me trying to plan my future, I'm just going to put it in God's hands. Praise God. And Amen. just whatever he has to give, I will use it and I will work for him. Amen. She was furiously taking notes in that journal of hers. And like, we wouldn't, there would be no teaching happening. And she's just reflecting, and God was speaking to her and blessing her. And I'm like, girl, I got to see your journal later. You know, I want to learn and grow. It was beautiful. Go ahead, John. How so, are you applying what God is? So I have a medical condition, and, we don't, and as a result, I've always thought I need a lot of sleep. It's restorative to me. But on this trip, we were up 6.30 in the morning, so you meet, we had to leave by 6.30, eat breakfast and everything. I was up probably around 5 o'clock every morning during this whole trip. A couple times, slept a little longer. But God showed me through this trip that if he wants me to get up and pray in the morning before church, before I start my day, I don't need as much sleep as I thought I did. Amen. It was a miracle as far as I'm concerned. Praise God. Go ahead, BB. Well, from what I learned, like John said, you know, I kind of was like, oh, my God, I don't think I can do this because we basically didn't sleep that long. We first, when we first got there, we got there four o'clock in the morning. We got something to eat because the, you know, it was it, there was a whole bunch of stuff happening in the airport. So we got something to eat. We got at the hotel. It was like five o'clock. I think we slept only like half an hour. Then the next first day, day. Yeah. that first day was wicked heavy and everything, grabbing all the packages. And then after that, you had to pack up again and go to another place. We basically must have slept maybe two hours. I mean, an hour, two hours, an hour, two hours. And I'm like, I cannot do this. I mean, this is too much. I mean. Am I really here? Why did I do this? Why, why did I listen to these people? I mean, I, I just, there was a bunch of stuff. But at the end, I realized, like, wow, I can't believe that I actually did it. I can't believe that I actually walked. I actually grabbed my baggage, grabbed Lonnie's baggage, whoever needed help, and just pulled my way. And it can be done. And I'm like, wow, because it was done. We did it. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was like, what? No, no more, no more. I can't take it. Going to the classes, they were like from three to four hours sitting down, you know, and I'm telling Lonnie, Lonnie, scientific has said that only 45 minutes people can have attention. After that, you're going to lose focus and you're going to start drawing stuff and doing whatever. So 
I mean, that's the devil. That's the devil telling you that, you know, you can't do it. You, you're going to lose concentration. You're going to lose focus. No, it's a big lie because I stand it. I, even though I was sick, too, and Lonnie kept telling me, go to the room. You don't look fine. I'm like, no, I didn't come here to quit. I came to, to finish it and get it done because the devil attacked me through my throat, through my nose, through my chest. I was going through. I don't know what I was going through. But luckily, there was lady, people there that saw me and treated me like a family. And everywhere I went, there was a nurse or somebody saying, hey, here's a pill. Hey, here's this. Here's that. I don't, you don't look good. I'm like, no, I don't. Here's this. But I give thanks to God for giving me the strength. The strength to keep going forward and keep hacking away and keep pushing and pushing. Because it was not easy. I'm going to tell you that. Driving in a bus that's bought in Korea. I mean, I'm a big guy. I didn't fit. Usually, I was envying everybody that was sleeping, you know, all with the mouth open and everything. I could took pictures. I could have made a bunch of whatever, but I couldn't sleep. So I'm basically sitting like this or sitting like this, because the space that I had was not big enough. But I, 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 I held it. It wasn't easy. My back was hurting. My legs too. But it was worth every pain that my body went through, because he went through more than I went through. Come so on. there is no excuse. So I got it, and thank God. And the food, like we said, the culture and everything, I learned something. We are so blessed and grateful for what we have here. Sometimes we get served something that we don't like because somebody put too much mustard or mayo, and you just throw it away because you just don't like that one thing. But let me tell you one thing. Over there, you eat the same thing for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. And it doesn't, there's no time of what time you're going to eat either. I mean, at one point I was tired running around and I'm like, oh, I basically want a bread with butter, please, please. And then I saw this thing and I don't want to say the name of it. And I was not happy. But that's what you do when you go to a mission. You're, you're not, you're not going to know what's going to happen or what you're going to eat. What's there, it's what it is. You got to have to eat it. Or if, or if not, then whatever. But I mean, it was a big experience. It's, it's something that everybody should go through. And, 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 and feel how it is when you're really in the mission. Yeah. When you're really fighting on your flesh and, your, and, and telling your flesh, I don't, it's not what you want anymore. It's what they could serve me and it's what I'm going to eat. That's it. Done. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up. <clears throat> we joke around about lots of things. There were moments that we were stretched. There was moments that things were outside of our comfort zones, but God gave us the strength throughout it all. There was diversity, but when you've been in something for a long time, it feels like there isn't, right? We didn't just eat mangu all the time, right? <laughs> Find out what mangu is, and God bless you guys, all right? But uh, we had good food. We had enough sleep. God multiplied the bus rides. He's talking about not being able to sit down on that. This guy was up and about dancing and riling up the students. It was a party on that bus. And, and then the leaders were there. It, the bus was a time of fellowship. It was a time of rest for those who wanted it. It was a time where God was amplifying our thinking because we're sitting down with other people. And we're asking questions. And God's pouring out wisdom. And so we're learning how other churches are growing and other ministries are being used. People are praying with each other. And there's partnerships being established, relationships being built. It was an incredible time. And so, David, if you could, get that picture up for me. And we're going to wrap it up with this, okay? Um, the Bible tells us, if, uh, if you guys grab your Bibles real quick, I'll leave you with the verse. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. 
I'll leave it with the verse. Uh, Elisa, hold that for me. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus is beginning his ministry, he's going about, out and about. Find the picture of Wilson. He's near the back, and then turn off the, the slideshow so it doesn't keep going. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 16, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them and said, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Church, this is Wilson. He was our bus driver for the blue bus that had Matthias's name on it. The other blue bus had Lydia's name. And so uh, we had three beautiful coach buses that are the ministries. It belongs to Matthias. Now he hired these drivers to come and to uh, do magic, miracles, all right, on these buses, because they drive these humongous buses as if they are mini Coopers on tiny little roads. They do three-point turns, and they do incredible miracles on these roads. They go when there is no, we'd not see a cop on the road, a citation anywhere, and if it was here, and Mr. Officer was going, what is going on here? Are there no citations? These men do incredible things. But this man says this. I feel fortunate that God has allowed me to fall upon your hands. I used to be a treasurer for the youth in my church when I was young. In my early 20s. I'm a father, a grandfather. I've done a lot of things in my life, and I've run away hard from Jesus. But I find myself fortunate that I have fallen upon your hands. And this man was always around us as much as he could. He was hungry. He was listening on the bus as we're praying, as we're singing, as the worship is going, as he sees, you're out of this. What do you need? Here you go. You're hungry. Here's my bar. You've got a headache. Here you go. He is watching us. And he says, I feel fortunate that I've fallen upon your hands. Jesus says, come follow me, and I will show you how to be fishers of men. Church, if you're going to fish for people, if you're going to go out there and make a difference for Jesus, then you need to make sure that you're making your hook attractive. You've got to put some bait on the hook. And you've got to make the nets attractive. you got to make it so that people, when they see you, they say, I want what you have. And Wilson said, I need what you guys have. I've been running from God and running from Jesus. I've been meaning to get back to him. But you guys have made it attractive for me. Amen. And you got to understand that he wasn't the only one. Everywhere we went, we made church right there. Yes. Yes. There was 
hotel workers. Because you know what? We didn't have a building to go to oftentimes. We're having breakfast and then we're having a teaching. We're having breakfast then we start um, preaching and we start praying. And we're in the middle of the hotel lobby. There's a problem happening. We got to resolve something with rooms. And all of a sudden, Matias says, put your hands up and start praying. We start praying. There is not a person within that hotel that did not hear us praying and Jesus' name and God. And so we would see hotel workers come out of their rooms and come out of their assignments and they would just stay there like this watching why because the hook has been made attractive if you're not catching any fish let me ask you is there bait on your hook is your life attractive to people and you got to go where the fish are you got to make it attractive, and you got to go where the fish are. We got to be living our lives for Jesus, not here in this building, but out there when we step out. And it's a pleasure to see you here with us, Chris. I know you got to go to work today, but I appreciate the fact that you made time to come out of Worcester where you live to be with us today. He drove the bus with us all the way back. And he saw something in us, and I pray that he continues to see that, that makes the hook attractive. Why? Because I believe in a God that is abundant, that is good, that is righteous, that is caring for us, that he has come to save us, to heal us, and to transform us. And so if you want to know this Jesus, then you've come to the right place, and they have come to the right people when they meet you. Amen? Let's lift up our hands. Let's give Jesus a mighty praise offering right now. And I want to pray with you. If you want prayer for anything in your life, I believe that today is the day that Jesus has made available for you. This is the moment that you need to say, Lord, I need you in my life. Change me, transform me, set me free. Show me things about myself, about my family, and lead me, God, in your ways. Because I don't want to do this in my own way. I don't want to do this the way I've always done it. I need something to change change. If you are real, Jesus, show yourself to me. If that's you today, if you want Jesus, if you want a healing, if you want a touch, when we pray right now, I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and the prayer team is going to come on up and we're going to pray with you and believe with you for Jesus to transform your life. Amen. If you have not been with Lord, the Lord, if you have not allowed yourself to be given over to Jesus and say, Lord, I need you to lead my life to change my heart, to help me and forgive me of my junk, my issues, my sin, the things that I know is not right in my life and I want to be made right today, then I want you to come. And I want this team that went on this trip, I want them to come pray with you too. Amen? Lift up your hands all over this place. If you can pray in the spirit, feel free to go start praying right now. The chains will be broken. The lives will be redeemed. Hearts will be transformed. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, I thank you that on this trip, Lord, this small group got to see how powerful you are. Lord, we thank you that in Dahabon, Dominican Republic, that community was changed for the good that Lord God although we had 8,000 people there in those days 
5,000 decision cards were filled out of men and women who want to know you, Jesus. And a hundred plus pastors locally are connecting now with them to funnel them into churches and follow up with them. Father, we pray, Lord, that what you did there, that you would continue to move and operate in that place mightily and powerfully. We pray, Lord God, for every church that will receive people and every life, Lord God, that was encouraged by the gospel. Every healing that happened, every deliverance that went forth. Lord, I thank you that you have set people free. And Lord, we ask you that you would help them remain so. God, for us here, what you've established in us and what I know you have to establish in this church and every life that is present here, and every Lord God soul that is watching online. God, I pray that you would show people your love. I pray, God, that you would step into circumstances today. I pray, Lord, that you would speak life where death has reigned. Lord, I pray that you would cancel where the enemy has armed and aimed his weapons. I pray, Lord, that it would not accomplish its purpose. Father, we pray for healings, for signs, for wonders. We pray, Lord, for transformations. We pray, Lord God, that you would break addictions. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would renew mindsets. And then, Lord God, you would change, Lord God, attitudes. I pray, Father, that forgiveness would reign and hope would come be restored. And life would be, Lord God, restored between husbands and wives. Lives, parents and children oh God I pray for those who are estranged that you would bring them close and unite them once more God if we 110 from different churches and different walks and different streams and different ideologies could come together Lord God and operate as one man I pray father that you would restore unity within workplaces unity within homes unity within marriages unity within the um, Lord God the neighborhoods and the communities that your children abide Father, I thank you. I thank you. If you need a touch from God, just come on up right now. Don't, don't worry about who's on your left or on your right. If you need to just press in and say, Lord, I want some of that fire that the, the people on this trip has brought back with them. Lord, I need a fresh infilling of your spirit. I want you to come right now. Just come and spend some time with God. We believe that he can meet you wherever you are, yes, but take a step of faith. Allow your mind and your spirit to, to say, look, I'm going to shift something physically in my position because it's representative of what God is doing in my heart spiritually. What God is doing with me emotionally, mentally. I am shifting my place as an act of faith that I can come alongside others to come and pray.